Were you blessed by that, church? Amen. Thank you so much, choir. What a what a joy. I mean, I'll tell you, it's an extraordinary blessing to me for what you all do. And I know you bless so many others as you declare that hope has come unto us for you alone, our King of Kings. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful time to celebrate. In fact, um, you guys are better, better this year than you were last year. And, and I know I say that every year, but I mean it this year. Uh, you guys uh, extraordinary. And it was, this has become part of my Christmas celebration. And I, I'm sure it has for many of you. I hope you've been enjoying uh, your Christmas season, this time of joy and delight, this time of celebration and wonder. It's also a very busy time, as you know, and it's especially busy for pastors that we not only have uh, special events to attend and parties to, to enjoy, but extra messages to prepare. And, uh, and so it's a busy time this year, but it's a joyful time. In fact, sometimes uh, I, I will work from home home on Saturdays in order to work on a message uh, that I might have to get ready. And, and Allegra, my wife, will take, uh, will, will not take, he'll, she'll go off and run errands knowing I'm home, leaving me home to both work and take care of our seven children. And uh, so that's a bit of a challenge sometimes. And you try to send the kids in the basement and, and while you stay upstairs and, and work. But sometimes the kids, um, there's a little bit of conflict with them. And I know that's hard to believe, but it actually happens. In, in the car and house, and, and uh, there'll be a conflict. And as any good parent does, I think you want the kids to solve their own problem, don't you? And, and so you kind of shout down the stairs, share the toy, right? As if that were some revolutionary idea. Um, you know, take turns. You want them to figure this out on their own. But every once in a while, they can't seem to, to do what they're supposed to do. And so what do you have to do? You have to go down into their presence and solve their problem for them. I have to descend from the first floor down into the basement to fix the problem. Is that not what Christmas is about? Is it not a about God coming downstairs, if you will, to solve the problems, the, the trouble in which we have made? You see, we have, we have plenty of advice. We have plenty of instruction. He sent us wise men and prophet and leader after leader. We know what we're supposed to do, but we will not do it. We cannot do it. And so God came himself to do what we could not I hope next week, if God's willing to, on our Sunday morning service, to preach from Isaiah 53. It's a prophecy about King Jesus. And the prophet begins by calling Jesus the arm of the Lord. And I find that phrase fascinating. I actually did a little study that the, the idea of God's arm is, is when God acts powerfully in history to, to bring about some great redemption or some great victory. So the arm of the Lord parted the Red Sea and God's arm helped them to defeat uh, the city of Jericho. And, and, and the prophet Isaiah says, Jesus is the arm of the Lord. In other words, he's come into this world to do something mighty. I find it interesting because he's not referred to as the mouth of the Lord. He did not simply come to give us lessons. Though he taught, that's not primarily what he came to do. He didn't come to tell us how to behave. He's been doing that for thousands of years and we would not follow his instruction. He came primarily to do, to act on our behalf. 
And I want to remind you that this is fundamentally what separates Christianity from all the other world's religions. All their founders come as the, the mouth of God, if you will. They come to tell us what to do. They say, do this to connect you to God. And Jesus comes not as the mouth of God, but as the arm of God and says, I will do it for you. I've come to connect you to God by what I have done. All religions in this world are simply instruction and advice to follow. Christianity alone is news, good news to believe. He's the arm of God. And what did this arm of God come to do? Well, the choir told us tonight, didn't they? He, he came into this world, took on our, our humanity and lived a perfect life perfectly obeying God and he could offer his perfect record of obedience to us and then he went to the cross as our substitute and there all of our sin is placed upon him so please understand the essence of Christianity is not trying to live a good life the essence of Christianity is not even simply trying to be like Jesus that's the consequence of Christianity The essence of Christianity is that God has taken our sin and placed it upon our Savior and taken His righteousness and placed it upon us. The essence of Christianity is He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus was treated by God as if He had done all the sin that you and I have done. And that we can be treated as if we had done all the righteousness that Christ has done. You see, what makes you a Christian is not living a good life. What makes you forgiven is calling out to the Father and saying, accept me on behalf through the work of Jesus. Christian, I I hope you can celebrate that this Christmas season. I hope you know how freeing that is, what God has done for you. The penalty has been paid, that you've been showered with grace. He will guide your life. He will accept you as a son and daughter for all eternity. Celebrate that. Don't miss that this Christmas season. Take time to delight, time to praise Time to wonder. That's why I love this uh, this time, just a time to set off simply for one goal. It's just to praise God. You know, God commands you to praise Him. Isn't that interesting? God over and over says, I want you to praise me. I want you to delight in me. I want you to rejoice in me. C.S. Lewis, when he was kind of struggling to become a Christian, was very put off by this. He, he was annoyed by God's constant commands to praise him. He says, I know people who like to be praised and everybody hates them. Right? Who, who, wants, who likes people and says, praise me, praise me. I want to be the center of attention. But Lewis was reading the Psalms and in, in, in the book of Psalms, he finds all these commands from God to praise him and something occurred to him. He writes, the most obvious fact about praise whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Whenever you enjoy something, you must praise it. 
He continues and writes, The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wine, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, and even sometimes politicians. Lewis writes, I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time the most balanced minds praised most, while cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. The healthiest man can enjoy the most modest meal. The crank finds fault with almost every meal. He concludes, praise, I realized, almost seems to be inner health made audible. You see, our willingness to praise and namely to praise God is a sign that something is right in your heart. That you understand who he is and what he has done. And that brings forth praise from you. In fact, one more quote for Lewis before we end. is He says that praise not only is compelled out of us because we delight in something. He says praise is beyond that. It actually, it completes the joy that we have in it. In other words, we don't just praise something we like. When we praise it, we're actually liking it more. He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. Praise is just not the expression but the consummation of joy in what is supremely enjoyable, namely God. And so when God commands us to praise, what he is doing is he is commanding not only us to find joy in him, but to complete our joy in him. This is what he wants from us. He wants our heart. And my hope is that he would have your heart this Christmas season. Because it's not simply enough to believe. It's not enough to go to a party or unwrap a gift or attend a cantata. We should praise him. And when we do, it is for our own good. So will you praise him? And when you do, your anxieties will fade and the materialistic pull of this world will lessen and humility will rise in your heart. So Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, can I just exhort you this week... Will you take 15 minutes, just 15 minutes aside with God and say, I'm simply just going to praise you for who you are and what you've done. I'm not going to ask you for anything. Maybe you could take a passage of scripture, maybe Isaiah 9, 6, where Jesus is called the the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. And you would just focus and contemplate and cherish and delight and ponder who Christ is and what he has done for you, that you might help your heart be filled with joy and delight in the one who has come to save you. Father, we thank you so much for our Lord. We thank you for the work in which he has done. We thank you that he is not simply the mouth of God, but is the arm of God who has come to accomplish what we could not and what we would not do, namely live a perfect life and to bear the penalty for sinners worldwide. I count myself this evening with my brothers and sisters a sinner, but not just a sinner, a forgiven sinner. Because of Jesus. Help us to rejoice in him. 
and all that he has done that we might not miss the meaning of this season. We pray that you would help us for our great gain and for your glory. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You are to-